Hello there. You're about to experience the What's Up Church podcast. Can a dude get some Holy Spirit? All right. All right. All right. We are back for part two of the Once Saved, Always Saved discussion. Um, again, I am here with author, evangelist, father-in-law, <laughs> George Elias. We uh, are in the, the later hours of the day because we've been having fun all day. So forgive us if our voices are not as strong and boisterous, but our words will be because this is a, an anointed conversation. Um, so just to quickly recap from where we left off, we established in the first part about the once saved, always saved portion about what we're coming from, where we're coming from, why we're talking about it. Um, George laid out his three core principles in terms of the, the foundation that we're trying to establish is that one, free will is something that can't be taken away. Uh, two is that love is. You know what I mean? Love is something that is is unconditional love from the, the Lord. We we don't deny that. We believe it. We we love it. <laughs> I you know, hey, love, love. Um, and then two would be repentance. The the act of what we add to our faith is repentance. Now, is that is that for the most part correct, George? Yeah, it's repentance, but it's also faith and trust. Mm-hmm. So we have to add that because according to Ephesians two eight nine, we're saved by God's grace through our faith. So we add faith and trust to our belief system or to our salvation. That's what keeps us strong in our faith. And then uh, thirdly is God looks at your, always gonna look at your heart. Heart posture. Yes. Yes. I always say that differently than you. It's so funny. It's so funny how how you remember it in your head and I remember it in mine. I always remember heart posture. Okay, so here's the fun part of this conversation. And this is the part that I used to never get into, but it's what I think is the most cool part is I really wanna look at the actual scriptures. Like, what does the Bible say about this? And I, I first, George, and why you're here is I'm going to be, I'm playing devil's advocate or in this part, going to be the, the once saved, always saved advocate. And, and I want to just present to you the scriptures that I believe speak to once saved, always saved. And I kind of want to get your opinion. Now, we all know there is one gigantic elephant in the room scripture, and I'm going to save that towards the end. But we're going to start out, and I, I kind of wanted to start with some 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 of the scriptures that I hear all the time from from certain pastors or you know Bible teachers that truly believe in once saved always saved, and these are the scriptures they kind of start with. So I want to start with the first one. It's going to be Romans ten. Actually, you know what? Let's start with Romans eight thirty eight. Um, and this is Chuck Missler loves this one, and I again love Chuck Missler. So let's start with one of his favorite ones, and it says this is Paul writing, obviously. For I am convinced, and I'm reading from the Amplified, so my version is going to be a little bit different, so just know that. For I am convinced and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present or threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything create or any other created thing will be able to separate us from the unlimited love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, that's a pretty definitive statement on... Nothing can separate us from the love of the Lord. How is that not once saved, always saved? 
No, that's absolutely true. I mean, Scripture, and we understand. I mean, we can just go to many other Scriptures that say the same thing. The love of Christ is amazing. The love of God towards us is amazing. He will never stop loving you regardless of what you do. But we also have to understand, and I think where a lot of people miss it, is a whole thought on the difference between love and approval. God loves you, but may disapprove of the way you're living or your behavior. But he still loves you. He loves everyone. He has a deep, unbelievable love for every single human being that he created. But we're not, but you're saying that the disconnect is that love is not salvation. Love is love, but love is not, no matter what you do, you're, you're good. You're always in right standing. He loved the Israelites, but they, <laughs> they clearly got out of line here and there. Um, okay, so that's, sorry Chuck, RIP, but that is the first one. All right, so still in Romans, still with the Apostle Paul, who I think I love, I love what he wrote and some of this stuff, because I think when we get to some of the rebuttals, I, I think Rome, Paul really nailed it as well, <laughs> I guess, which is why it's kind of ironic. But a big one is Romans 10, 9 through 10, which says again, and I will quote from the Amplified, because if you acknowledge and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, recognizing his power, authority, and majesty as God, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I mean, that is almost legally hook, line, and sinker, right? We, we have it right there. That is simple. If you, it, because if you acknowledge and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It doesn't mean you might be. It doesn't mean – it doesn't say that you will be if you do something else. It just says you will be saved. So how, does, how is that not – how do we not believe that? Well, the, the obvious answer there, and I, I don't want to answer it completely because I want to be able to discuss the other scripture at the end of the uh, discussion here to be able to add to this scripture as well. But that's absolutely true. You confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart, you're saved. And then in verse 13, it says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Yep. And the point is, is that's where people basically base their whole thinking and foundation on, but they they elude everything else in scripture understanding the scripture always interprets scripture we have to look at these scriptures and, and say absolutely correct without throwing out everything else that the new testament or even old testament brings up and this is where we want to go ahead and bring balance into some scripture you can't pull one scripture and say this is what i'm going to base my whole life on and forget everything else that's written in the word of god and we have to have a balanced view on everything that is written in Scripture. So you're saying I can't have a one Scripture theology? No, no it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. If you base your whole life, especially if your one Scripture theology contradicts everything else that's written, you're in trouble. Yes. Because you have to have a balanced view on, like the Scripture says, rightly dividing the word of truth. Mm -hmm. A balanced view on everything that's written so you can come to an actual agreement of what God is trying to tell us. Well, I mean, okay, so... I think we all, most people, well, I mean, some people disagree, but we think Hebrews was is a Paul epistle. I tend to believe it was Paul, but we don't know 100% well, so for sure. Here's what I'll use. I'll use, so in this conversation of scripture, I'm going to use Chuck Missler as the standard. Okay. All right. So Chuck Missler fully believes that Paul wrote Hebrews. I do too. I, we, I, th I agree. Okay. I think we all, we all kind of lend ourselves to it. If it wasn't Paul, it's even more of a miracle. Because they nailed it. <laughs> Let's put it that way. But 
So just to quickly give balance, because I think a lot of times people are like, well, why would Paul write something contradictory to himself? Correct. Right? I think we've had that conversation before. We've said, well, why would he write what we just said for whoever calls the name of the Lord will be saved? Right. Right. Well, how can Paul say that? And then I would say, suggest you flip over to Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. And I'm, you're very familiar. Go ahead and enlighten us. What is Hebrews 6, 4 through 6? I have to... I have to ask this question, first of all, uh, if we believe, first of all, we believe that we have free will. Free will is never taken away from you. We, all, we, we already uh, set that up. And if I also believe that to add to what my salvation that I have, faith, faith literally, another word, is putting my trust in what Jesus already did for me. I add that to my salvation and I connect with God. So the question that might that has to be asked, is there a possibility that I can lose my faith or I can completely walk away from my faith? And this is what I want to bring up in this podcast here is the reality that that happened many, many times in the New Testament and happens a lot, even to this day. So the scripture that you brought out in Hebrews chapter six, mm-hmm. uh, verses four through six is, is, a, is an excellent scripture, but have to understand and I'd like to be able to share several scriptures out of the book of Hebrews. But this is one of them that is amazingly uh, clear if we look at it. And it basically states, and I'm, I'm reading uh, literally from the New King James Bible. It says, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift, had become partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. Now, now look at this verse here. If they fall away to renew them again to repentance, seeing they crucify again to themselves the Son of God afresh, put them to an open shame. And it goes on from there. So the, the, the thought here and looking at, because I'm a, I'm a, a word person, uh, the word that I have to look at here is the word, if they fall away. And if I look at the actual Greek wording here, literally uh, to fall away is 3895 in your Strong's Concordance. 3895 literally means to apostize, mm-hmm. to become an apostate, which literally means to fall away or to fall from the path of, of duty and to abandon the faith. Mm-hmm. So here we're talking about a habitual going back and practicing a lifestyle that you once led. It doesn't mean someone that makes a mistake or falls into a sin and then comes back, even at a later date, comes back and says, God, I, I messed up. I'm sorry. And comes back because God's going to look at your heart. We've mm-hmm. established that last time in Jeremiah seventeen ten and Revelation two twenty three. God is always going to look at the cry of your heart. So he sees the cry of your heart and he sees a lifestyle we're leading that it's not correct, but he's going to discipline you. He's going to work on you. He's going to send people into your life to correct you. He's going to do everything he can to get your heart back in line with his. But it gets to the point to where when we walk away and apostize, fall away, leave or abandon the faith, then we have gone back to a habitual practicing of our old lifestyle and our heart literally has gotten hard to where we literally can lose out what God has given to us. That's my understanding. Mm-hmm. Now, if we're in Hebrews, can I share a couple more scriptures in Hebrews? Yeah, and, and I think it's also good for people that don't know. Hebrews, let's just give context to what is Hebrews. You know, Hebrews was a, we believe, again, Paul writing to the new Christian church that was trying to go back under the law yeah. of Judaism. Yeah. The, the Judaizers, as they're called, 
the Judaites, whatever it is, the, the, the people that wanted these new Christians to conform back to the law. And the whole epistle of, of Hebrews is addressing the fact that, no, you have a better covenant. The law that you had before was a sub uh, was was a subpar or an inferior covenant to what you have now with Jesus. Correct. But go ahead. Correct. Now, based on Hebrews, because there's other scriptures that I want to bring out, but looking at Hebrews, again, people that wanted to go back to Judaism. But this is what Paul or the writer of Hebrews is saying. Looking at verse or chapter three, verse six says, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if you always have to look at the thing or, or the, the, the scripture or the word that is used many times. You see the same thing in Colossians 1.23. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. You see the same thing many times. Here it says, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. And then it goes on from there. Then I want to pick up in, in verse 12. Beware, brethren, lest any of you, lest, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if, there's that word again, we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Very important. Mm -hmm. And then chapter 4 brings us out again where it talks about verse 14 seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens jesus the son of god let us hold fast let's hold on to our confession let's hold on to that which god has given to us so you're going to see this numerous times in the book of hebrews another one is in chapter 10 which is uh again a very seem to be a very hard statement, but literally coming from this author, which we believe is Paul. If we look at chapter 10, verse 26, it is literally talking about a habitual practicing of going back to a sinful lifestyle and literally departing, apostizing of your faith, departing from the faith. Chapter 10, verse 26, for if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no, no longer a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fire indignation which shall devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Now I want you to look at verse 29. Of how much so worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy now, you cannot mistake, Daniel, that this is talking about believers. Yes. I've, heard, I've heard people tell me this is talking about unbelievers. There is no way possible it can be talking about unbelievers because look at the way it's written. How much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was, past tense, sanctified a common thing? and insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But if we keep reading a little bit further down, picking up in verse 36, verse 30, 35, therefore do not cast away your confidence, which is a great reward. Mm -hmm. For if, we, if, if you have need of endurance, 
so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Now, interesting, the word here in the Greek is perdition, and I have it here at 684 in your strong concordance. It literally means loss, ruin, the state after death, or destruction. So this is what the writer or Paul is saying. If those that draw back to destruction, those that draw back to perdition, my, my, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are them that believe to the saving of the soul. So this is Hebrews, and there's many other ones. And I wanted to bring up also, um, when we talk about the departing of the faith, or we talk about the, uh, the walking away of your faith, is it possible that you can walk away from your faith? Well, let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. This is Paul again. He says, now the Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, expressly says that in the latter times, which we're in right now, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. Okay, some will depart from the faith. Just like Hebrews, Paul says the same thing here. But let me go even a little step further. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians, I'm sorry. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We see the same uh, scriptural basis for this. But 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away. Now, that's the same Greek word to apostize. 3895 in your Strong's Concordance. To apostize, the great falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. So we see the same thinking uh, in, in this scripture. And it, I mean, we can, we can continue on. 1 Timothy 2.15 says the same thing if we continue in the faith. Now, it's interesting to me, if we look at the, the literal thinking about remaining in the faith or the possibility of departing from your faith, look what Paul, at the end of his life, he's about ready to get beheaded. He's about ready to lose his life. He knows that. God already showed him that. And he writes in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, the last letter that he actually wrote. Mm -hmm. And he says in verse 7, I have, I have finished my course, I have uh, fought the good fight, and I have kept the faith. Why would he say, I have kept the faith? Because many have not. And interestingly, right before that, he was talking about people that literally had departed from the faith. But he himself mentions, I have kept the faith. And it's really important to really understand the thinking there. Now, let's look at Peter. Same thinking here. We're looking at it from another apostle. In, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17, it says, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. Mm -hmm. So it's this whole realm of remaining in the faith and standing firm that I believe is very key to remaining in, uh, you know, salvation is very secure. I have, I have never, Daniel, never in my 45 years of walking with the Lord 
have ever feared losing anything that God has given me, including my salvation. But you know also, the key to understanding the security, what I call the security of the faithful, the key to understanding this is re your repentance, is having a key in, 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 uh, in repentance and remaining strong in your faith and putting uh, continual trust in your faith. Repentance and abiding. Abiding is a very important word. Who uses the, who, who do you know, Daniel? Who do you remember that used the word abide? Well, I mean, two major people. Okay. John and Jesus. Okay, <laughs> absolutely. But so then, so then speaking of that, let's go to John. Okay. Let's go to John, and he is one of the authors that gets quoted a lot. Um, and when it comes to the once saved, always saved doctrine. And I will start. I will say, let's go to John, I think 10, 27 is a big one. Hold on one second. Let me get there if I'm on there. Yeah. Uh, give me a second. 10. There it is. Okay, got it. 10. I think it's 27 through 29. Correct. Um, and it's going to be, and again, this is amplified version, but we all know the scriptures, I think, out loud if you've been in church for more than a month. Uh, the sheep that are my own hear my voice and listen to me. I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never ever by any means perish and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater and mightier than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hands. So, so I and the father are one uh, in essence and nature. Um, and so basically talking about how like, I mean, you can almost give the visual and this is Chuck Messer, one of his favorite ones of him basically giving the idea of, you know, God's hand underneath and, and Jesus' hands on top and in between them is us. Mm -hmm. And that is the security we have Absolutely. as being Christians. Absolutely. 100%. So how do I, how do I, if, if no one, right, and it says again, the sheep are my voice, I give them eternal life, and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. Well, I would be a no one. Right. So I can't snatch myself out of their hands yeah. if I'm in there. Well, then you don't have a free will. Is that so? That's 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 yeah. the that's the, the the argument that I hear all the time right. is like, well, no one. If I'm someone, right. I'm included in that. No yeah. one yeah. can snatch them out yeah. of their hands. That includes me. Yeah. No, it doesn't, because again, that takes your free will away from you. Okay. That and that co would contradict the every other scripture we just read of many that departed from the faith and chose to walk away from the living God. Hebrews three three uh, six well, again brings out that the departing from the living God uh, is what we just quoted a minute ago. Mm -hmm. So so absolutely correct. That's what Jesus said. Well, no then, one. Well then, so then, so the, Jesus just said right there, you know, that, that no one can take you out of my hand or right. my father's hand. All right. That is, that is, that is it. Absolutely. Well, then let's just go back up to the, 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 the scripture that everyone knows. Right. That everyone quotes. The first thing they ever learned is John three sixteen. Okay. For God so loved the world. Okay. You know what I mean? That he, he gave his only son. That whoever believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish, but have eternal life. Okay. Whoever believes. doesn't say whoever believes and doesn't sin. doesn't say. It just says you have to believe. All you have to do is like, like the gift of the gift you've been given is believing. Okay. So let me, let me just make one quick point. And I want to address the John 3.16 one because I go, that's the one that a lot of people literally base their whole existence yes, on. I yes. get that. But let me go back just real briefly to John 10, 27, 29, where it says no one in the King James, New King James, New King and, and King James, you use the word pluck. No one can pluck you out of my hand or snatch you out of my hand. Mm -hmm. But the actual Greek word here is 726 in, in the Greek lexicon. And it literally means to violently take you from, uh, from, uh, um, 
from him by force. Okay. Okay. No one can. Absolutely. But the question remains, can you walk away? If you have free will, then yes, you can. Because that goes along with every other scripture we just read of many people that literally apostatized, became reprobate, we'll deal with that next time, mm-hmm. or walked away. But let's look at John 3, 16 here. See, a lot of people make the mistake. I've, a lot of times when I teach evangelism, I, I use the word in John three sixteen, the word believe. A lot of people will look at it. I used to do that before I knew the Lord. John three sixteen says, whoever believes in him will not perish. And I, I would tell myself, I believe in him. So that makes me okay. And then go get drunk right afterwards or go uh, do drugs right afterwards. But in my mind, I'm thinking, I believe, so I'm okay. But they miss the literal Greek wording to the word believe. And this is where it's missed many times. The actual Greek word is 4,100 in your Greek concordance. And it literally means, in the Amplified, they use the word to it, adhere to, trust in, and rely on, is what the Amplified word brings out for the word believe. Mm-hmm. And in the, in the actual Greek, it literally means to have faith in, to put your trust in, to be fully convinced of. Uh, it expresses reliance upon and personal trust that produces obedience. Mm-hmm. Much different than just having a mental assent to, yes, I believe. Let me put it this way. If you say you believe in Jesus, what you're literally saying, I believe in what he taught and everything he stood for. Mm-hmm. You, you're not just saying, I believe he existed. Because the devil also believes, it says in, in James 2.19, yep. the devil also believes and trembles. So, But he doesn't obey. He doesn't follow him. Mm-hmm. So here's the thought with a lot of people. If we say we believe in him, what you have to be saying is, I believe enough to obey him. It includes submission and a positive confession of his lordship. Mm -hmm. That's what the literal Greek rendering of the word believe means, which adds a little bit more to just saying, I believe he existed. And this is where a lot of people miss it. Well, it moves it from the head to the heart. Exactly. Right? I mean, that's kind of the thing we're saying is like, do you believe he exists? Sure. Do you love him? Right. Do you, do you right. want to follow him? Right. Are you going to serve him? And that's where I kind of, if we want to, you know, again, jump to some of my, like, I, like, for people know this, my podcast, John 15, five is one of my smooth stones. You know, it says that, you know, I'm the vine of the branch, that. Right. What people don't normally read is, 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 I'm not sorry, is John 15, six. Right. Which clearly says, if anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown out like a branch and withers and dies and they gather such branches and throw them out into the fire and they are burned. <laughs> and it says clearly, if I always go back to, I want to do a podcast on the word if one day, just because I think it's the most overlooked. Exactly. Under, under misunderstood or not acknowledged word in the Bible, the, but, and the, if are like, if is always a conditional on our behavior, right? Every Absolutely. time, you, every Absolutely. time you see if in the Bible, it is dependent upon our behavior. Absolutely. If we do something, it has nothing to do with the Lord, right? The right. Lord's promises are true. They're valid. Absolutely. If is always, Hey, this is our part to co-labor. Okay. This is our part to do. And so if, if anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown out like a broken off branch and withers and dies and gathers the branches we, and, uh, and they gather such branches. I love that because it's very clear so, that so, it, you can you can be broken off. So is it a, is it important to abide in him then? Uh, it's, 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 it's the ultimate important. Okay, because that's what Jesus said. Uh-huh. You see, and this is where a lot of people look at the words of Jesus. No one can pluck you out of my hand. But he uh-huh. also said in Matthew 24, 12 and 13, that in the end, the love, the, the sin is going to abound so much, the love of many will wax cold. And 
he that endures to the end will be saved. So this endurance is very connected to the word abiding or remaining, because this is what Jesus also said in, in, in John chapter 15, verse 16, where he says, I have anointed you, I have called you, that you, you have chosen you, that you go bear fruit and that your fruit may remain. That mm -hmm. word remain in the Greek is upomino. Hupomino in the Greek is the word endurance, comes from the word endurance, mm -hmm. which means the one who remains with me or abides in me is the one that makes it, not the one that decides to walk away. Well, I mean, and again, just kind of going back to the ones that I think are, the two that I kind of want to spotlight as, as we walk out is, 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 I want to finish in Revelation, but the one I want to quickly touch is the sower of the seed, the parable of the seed. I mean, two of those seeds land on soil that you can argue right. are people that get saved. Yeah. Like they like, received it with joy. They received it with joy. And then the world snatched it away. Right. Well, what is that? You can't say they didn't receive the seed. Right. Right. Because the seed sprouted. It grew. Right. It just withered in the sun or thorns and thistles came and That's choked correct. it out. That's correct. Like, well, that is a literal someone who received the word. You can say, well, they weren't always saved. Well, that, that's not the, the according to the parable, but. So that's another example of, of just showing that that's that you, just because you receive something doesn't mean you get to keep it. Right. Um, you can give it away. I go back to my favorite is the is the epistles that Jesus wrote in Revelation. Correct. I think these nail it because every one of these is written to the churches. Correct. That is to the body of believers. There is no mistaking that who these letters are written to. Right. And they're and and every letter represents a part of a church culture. Correct. Or a church ideology or whatever where we are falling short or doing well. And so to sit there and say each church is its own thing is like you're missing it. These are you can find this in every church today. Correct. <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can find every letter in every church. But the last letter to the Laodicea. Mm -hmm is the one that I think is, is, is mostly our time. I think it's, it, it, it points to the end time church, the end time church. And it is, uh, you, you know, as what I do that, um, John, basically three fifteen. Uh, I know your deeds that you were neither cold, invigorating, refreshing, nor hot healing, therapeutic. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, spiritually useless and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth, rejecting you with disgust. I don't know if there is a more just directly to the point of this, that if you are a lukewarm Christian, neither hot nor cold, living one foot in the world, one foot with him, right? And, and you have done, you have let the world win enough that you are not focused on anything. You are useless right. spiritually, right? right. Useless exactly. spiritually. And that doesn't mean that I'm a good person, bad person. That means right. you are useless spiritually. That's what it says. You are vomited out. Those are people that have salvation. Those are people that, that that have been saved, or if you ask them, they are 100% saved. Right. But they will be vomited out because they are useless. Yeah. He's talking to a church. Yes, who we are the church. Right. We are the ecclesia. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, well, this Absolutely. Is, we are the body of Christ. Right. The body of believers. Right. That is the church, the modern day church. So you can't say, like, it, there is no way around that. When Jesus says, you're spiritually useless, I am vomiting you out. That doesn't mean right. you, you weren't saved. It doesn't say you weren't saved. Exactly. It says you're spiritually useless. And... Uh, so we're, we're it, it's it's very easy to to look at the one saved always saved look at the john three sixteens. all i have to do is bleed hmm. and then give yourself the i can be spiritually useless the rest of my life because i'm saved right but scripture after scripture and again we can we, we can exhaust the bible 
on this topic when it comes down to layers. We, we've chosen specifically to hit like some of the, the heavy hitters, the John 316, the Romans, the, the Johns, the Philippians, uh, you know, those are the big ones that people point to because they talk about you can't be plucked out of his hands if you believe you're saved, all that. Right. But then every one of those has a perfect rebuttal right. from the same author. Rightly divide the word of truth. You know, and right. and I always go, if, if Jesus is saying you can't be plucked out of my hands, however, everything he says is conditional. Right. If you do this, mm-hmm. if you if you hear my voice, absolutely. Right. But I, it's it's as you read the Bible, I, I don't see how you can continue to believe in the once saved, always saved. And looking for reasons, I, I think it sounds good to Christians who don't want to dive in. But once you dive in, you're like, man, I, there's, there's, there's no I, – I, there's, I, I came to the realization because I was on that fence or I was agnostic at best. I thought I believe once saved, always saved. And then once I started reading it more, I became like, well, you can't lose your salvation, but you can give it away. <laughs> but even then, it was very difficult. I, I was always like, you can't sin your way out of salvation. And, and I kind of think that's true in essence, but not true in application. Because yeah. the, the farther you – if you go continue in willful sin, <laughs> and we've discussed that. <laughs> if you continue in willful sin – you're past a point of what what is it uh, repentance it says that yeah. in hebrews yeah, like you, right, you, right. you are no longer available for right. repentance because your heart grows cold yeah. your heart gets hardened mm-hmm. that's what sin does yeah and so these are amazing scriptures and I, I again i encourage anybody who's listening to this to go and 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 look at these and again i just to quickly run them down if you are on pro once saved always saved it's john 316 Romans 10, 9 through 10, Romans 8, 38, uh, Romans 10, 13, John 10, 27 through 29, uh, Philippians 1, 6 uh, are the ones that we kind of touched on. However, every one of those scriptures, if you go through and look at it, have a beautiful rebuttal with with John 15, 6, Matthew 24, 13, Hebrews 6, 4 through 6 and 8. And then, of course, my favorite is the letter to Laodicea in Revelation 3, 15 through 18. do your own homework, as Chuck Miser would always say. Do your own homework. We're going to continue this conversation, um, but I want those who listen to this to be spiritually read up on what does the Bible actually say, not just what does someone who you like says, not just someone who you uh, you know that you like their ministry, you like whatever. Because I'll be the first to tell you, if that was the case, I, I, I Chuck Miser, me are, are thick as thieves, man. I, I think that guy's amazing. However, I think he's wrong here. And it's like, well, how can I listen to him if I think he's wrong? It's like, well, it doesn't mean he's wrong on everything. Yeah. I like Chuck Mister. <laughs> I love him. He's awesome. Great Bible teacher. Unbelievable Bible teacher. Yeah. But I think he didn't get this one correct. Right. right. However, you know, I, this isn't. This shouldn't divide the church, but should definitely. You should figure this out for yourself. Right. So we're going to continue what that looks like. Of like, what does figuring this out for yourself look like in practical application moving forward? That's going to be the last section of this. But this is awesome. We thank you for being here, George. You want to say anything to these? No, I just I just want to say I like to be able to address the whole topic of predestination, elect, ele- election, chosen to inherit, uh, forgiveness, unforgiveness. All those topics are extremely important in the topic that we're discussing today. We'll do that on the next time. All right, see you guys soon. Bye. You have been listening to a Sub Church podcast. Just know you are cooler than all your friends that didn't.